Volume Two, Part Two, Chapter One of War and Peace by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Nathan Haskell Doyle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Marianne. Part Two, Chapter One. After his scene with his wife, Pierre went to Petersburg. At the post station at Tortsok, there were no horses, or the station master took it into his head not to furnish them. Pierre was obliged to wait. Without undressing, he stretched himself out on the leather divan before the circular table, on which he supported his big feet, in fur-lined boots, and pondered. "'Do you order the trunks brought in? Shall I make up a bed? Do you wish tea?' asked his valet. Pierre made no answer, for the reason that he had heard nothing, and saw nothing. He had begun to ponder while at the last station, and still he went on, propounding the same questions, quite too important for him to pay any attention to what was going on around him. He was not in the least interested whether he reached Petersburg sooner or later, or whether or not they found him a place to sleep that night at the station. Everything, indeed, was immaterial in comparison with the thoughts that were now occupying his mind, and it made no difference whether he spent a few hours or his whole life at this station. The station-master, the station-master's wife, his valet, an old woman, who sold Terzak embroidery, came into the room and offered their services. Pierre, not changing the elevated position of his feet, looked at them over his spectacles and did not comprehend what they could want, or how they could live without having decided the questions which were troubling him. He had indeed been occupied by the same questions perpetually, ever since that day when after his duel he had returned home from Sokolniki and spent the first painful, sleepless night. But now, in his solitary journey, they took possession of him with inexorable force. Whatever he began to think about, still his mind reverted to these problems which he could not solve, and could not help asking himself. It was as though the principal screw on which his whole life depended had got sprung. The screw stays where it is, it does not give way, but it turns without the thread catching, always in the same fillet, and it is important to stop it turning. The station-master came in, and began obsequiously to ask his illustriousness to deign to wait only two little hours, and then he could have for his illustriousness, come what would, post-horses for his service. The station-master was evidently lying, and his sole idea was to get as much money as possible from the traveller. "'Is this right, or is it wrong?' Pierre asked himself. "'As far as I am concerned, it is good, but is bad for the next traveller but the station-master can't help himself doing so, because he has nothing to eat. He told me that some officer had given him a thrashing because of it, but perhaps the officer thrashed him because it was necessary for him to hasten away. And I shot at Dolokhov because I considered myself insulted, and Louis the Sixteenth was beheaded because he was convicted as a criminal, but within a year those who had beheaded him were also put to death for something or other. What is wrong? What is right? what must one love what must one hate what is the object of life and what am i what is life and what is death what is the power that directs all things he asked himself and there was no answer to any one of these questions except the one the illogical answer which did not in reality fit any of these questions this answer was thou shalt die all will come to an end thou shalt die and know all or else cease to question. But the mere thought of death was terrible to him. The Torzak peddler woman, 
in her piping voice offered her wares and called especial attention to her goatskin slippers i have hundreds of roubles which i don't know what to do with and she in her ragged sheepskin stands there and looks at me timidly thought pierre and what good would this money do her would this money of mine add the value of a single hair to her happiness to her peace of mind can anything on earth make her or me in the least degree less susceptible to evil and death death which ends all and which may come to-day or to-morrow everything becomes of equally little importance in comparison with eternity and once more he tried to screw up the screw that would not hold and the screw as before kept turning around in the self-same way his servant brought him the half-cut volume of a romance in the form of letters by madame de souza he began to read of the sufferings and virtuous resistance of the heroine emilie de mansfeld and why did she resist her seducer if she loved him he asked himself god could not have put into her soul a desire which was contrary to his will my former wife made no struggle and maybe she was right nothing has ever been discovered nothing ever invented said pierre again to himself the only thing that we can know is that we know nothing and this is the highest flight of human wisdom everything within him and around him seemed confused incoherent loathsome but nevertheless in this very loathing of everything pierre found a peculiar sense of exasperating delight may i venture to ask your illustriousness to make a little room for this gentleman here asked the station-master coming into the room and introducing another traveller delayed also by the lack of horses the newcomer was a thick-set big-boned little old man yellow and wrinkled with grey beetling brows that shaded glittering eyes of indefinable greyish hue pierre took his feet from the table got up and threw himself down on the bed that had been made ready for him occasionally glancing at the stranger who with an air of moroseness and fatigue without paying any heed to pierre allowed his servant to help him lay off his wraps the old man sat down on the sofa he had a well-worn nankeen-lined sheepskin jacket and felt boots on his thin bony legs his head was large and very broad in the temples and his hair was closely cropped sitting thus and leaning back against the sofa he glanced at Buzakoy. The grave, intelligent, and penetrating expression of his glance struck Pierre. He felt an inclination to converse with the stranger, but when he had made up his mind to address him with some question about the state of the roads, the old man had already closed his eyes and was sitting motionless, with his wrinkled old hands folded. On one finger he wore a heavy cast-iron ring with a death's head for a seal, and was either dozing or, as it seemed to Pierre, meditating calmly and profoundly. The stranger's servant was also a little old man, all covered with wrinkles, without moustache or beard, not because they had been shaven, but because they seemed never to have grown. This agile old servant opened up the travelling-case, prepared the tea-table, and brought in the boiling samovar. When all was ready the stranger opened his eyes and drew up to the table, and after pouring himself out a glass of tea, filled another for his beardless servant, and handed it to him. Pierre began to feel uneasy. It seemed to him that it was unavoidable, and even inevitable, that he should enter into conversation with this traveller. The servant brought back his empty glass, turned bottom-side up, and with the lump of sugar untasted, and asked his master if he needed anything. Nothing. Hand me my book, said the stranger. The servant handed him a book which Pierre took to be a religious work, 
and the traveller buried himself in his reading. Pierre looked at him. Suddenly the stranger laid down his book, put a mark in it, and closed it, and again shutting his eyes and leaning back against the sofa, assumed his former position. Pierre gazed at him, but he had no time to look away before the old man opened his eyes and fastened his firm, steady, stern gaze directly on Pierre's face. Pierre felt confused, and anxious to escape from the searching gaze, but those brilliant old eyes irresistibly attracted him to them. End of chapter 1